Hey howdy hey all you cool cats and kittens join us live on Twitch next Wednesday April 13th at 10am EST for several hours of live recordings of some of your favorite shows, some intense gaming, and of course a few cool announcements regarding our Patreon. And uh, who knows, maybe some shows to come. Tell a friend, tell a neighbor, shout it at your grandparents. All of Campy Kill Creations will be making appearances from slovenly trolls to right in the fields and a few guests on an attempt to fund year two of CBK and, and, you know, have some fun doing so. So, you know, come and join us for the fun. Or don't, we're not your moms. That is twitch.tv slash creations. stuff i drink like i drink diet soda most times okay. and i drink Lacroix and or clear american is my brand because it's cheap who hurt your taste buds is my question. listen it didn't hurt my taste buds i just got fat so i said i should uh calm down a little bit and i've lost a lot of weight drinking Lacroix and and, and drinking diet soda instead of normal soda so what a wonderful way to lose weight because i'm a woman and can't do that i can't just switch up my soda and lose weight i mean i can't really either you're you are not correct like it is partly my physiology but also like i could probably stop eating hot dogs i I could exercise you could but do you want to no never so what i said was instead of drinking coca-cola i'll drink coke zero and that's what i could change (laughs) that is the change i will make and really i haven't lost when i say i lost weight i have but now I've reached the stasis point where I just like I'm not right. as fat. It's like I'm not you're skinny, not, yeah, because I don't exercise. Yeah. I still sit on my butt and podcast all day, and/or write all day, and/or draw all day, which all requires me to sit in front of my computer. <laughs> ah, who gives a shit? As long as you're comfortable. <laughs> exactly. My <laughs> wife's into matter. it, and she's hot, and that's all I care about. Exactly. That that's what matters to me. You know. <laughs> as long as your hot wife is cool with it everything is fine everything else is fine everything else is gravy and on that note hello and welcome to right in the fields i'm your host with the least uh terry smith i had to think about my name for a second don't mind that that's just a stroke with me today is not chelsea she's still off fighting the rap of the aliens that have court-martialed her i don't know what she's guilty of i'm and if they win this intergalactic war i think she definitely deserved whatever punishment she got but until she returns, I am joined by one half of the feminist fact checkers, one half of the slovenly trolls. Sharde, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty all right. How are you doing? Oh, I am just peachy, actually, <laughs> um, with my computer dying and the Diet Coke, you know, invading my brain. The aspartame is really just keeping me going. It's a lot That's like like ball. the nitrates and hot dogs. It's like the only reason why I'm still alive is because it's just it's like formaldehyde in me. You know, it just preserves everything I, I have like- going on. That should be the opposite of what happens when you have formaldehyde and aspartame in your system. And I that's feel what, like you know that's what big government doesn't want to tell you. You know that's how you stay alive. That's mm. that's what the deep state is really trying to do. That that's true. That pesky deep state. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I make too many of those jokes. I'm I'm bound to start getting people who be like, oh, he's one of us. And I'm like, I am not. I am not one of you. Hundred <laughs> percent. The deep state doesn't exist. Get your head out of your ass. <laughs> does they're not capable of any of the things that you uh say they can do they are not nearly smart enough <laughs> 
Well, anyways, on that note, let's jump right into it. Today, we're not talking about the deep state. Today, we're not talking about intergalactic alien federations that may or may not have my co-host captive. What we are talking about is How I Met Your Mother and a little-known show called How I Met Your Father that recently debuted. Shar, what are your thoughts slash touchstones for How I Met Your Mother? How I Met Your Mother. Well, I don't remember when specifically I started watching it. Because I definitely didn't watch it when it first started airing because it premiered, what, in 2005, 2006? Yes. So I was not even in high school yet. I was in, (coughs) I don't even know how old I was. I don't know what time is. But I definitely wasn't old enough to be watching it because it came out right as Friends ended. And I wasn't even old enough to watch Friends when it aired. (laughs) You you weren't allowed to watch that? I I watched it as it debuted and we're the same age. Maybe that just says Uh... something about the TV that was allowed in my home. I wasn't allowed to watch The Simpsons until I was in, like, middle school. That makes a little bit more sense. Simpsons has a little bit more adult content than some episodes of How I Met Your Mother. Um, They're just a little less explicit and a little bit more, you need a Harvard degree to understand. Exactly. Uh, So I don't remember when I started watching it. I want to say when I first started undergrad. So when I was, like, 18, I started watching it because Netflix started becoming a huge thing. Streaming became a huge thing. And all these TV shows that I'd never watched before were way more accessible. So I started binging it, as you do. And (laughs) I really, really liked it. And I caught all the way up until I think season six or seven was when, like, that was the amount of stuff that was on Netflix. So then you were able to watch it live. Yeah. Yeah. And I was able to watch it live after that. Mm Mm-hmm. I see. I, I was really a liked- weird. I was a weird kid. Like, man, I, I watched it as it came out. And so, how old were we in two thousand and five, Shar? That's why I, I was trying to figure it out mentally in my head, and then I couldn't do math because I have an arts degree. So, um, <laughs> I just stopped trying. So, um, you could I, take that one. I feel like we were about nine one. or ten know. in two thousand and five, right around there. Um, because I think I was, right. yeah, yeah. It's it's right around there. And Ten ish, yeah, maybe eleven if we're pushing it. Exactly. Um, I I didn't have cable. I didn't have any other channels. I had the the three as we call them in Northern Michigan, uh, the broadcast channels. So ABC, NBC, and CBS. We didn't even have Fox. I couldn't even get Fox in. Uh, which is wow. great in hindsight when it comes to my news consumption. Um, but <laughs> uh, so I, I didn't watch cartoons that were on air. I would get cartoons from DVDs or go over to friend's house or stuff. So when it came to my TV consumption, it was what was on primetime. And it was the same thing that everybody else was watching. So if there was a sitcom on or a police procedural, that's what I watched. And How I Met Your Mother premiered in 2005. It was the only channel I had. And I'm like, well, I love Friends. And contrary to what like the narrative is now that how I met your mother sucks, it started out so strong and I fell in love with it from episode one. Yeah, I I can agree with that. I really it's it was so original for the time. And I think even the concept still is very original. Like it always it flipped the switch on so many things like the lead romantic person isn't a woman. It's a man like he's a hopeless romantic instead of a woman. And then it has that twist at the end where you think robin's the mother and it turns out to be aunt robin and it's it's really clever 
And yeah. and it took it a step forward. Like one of the things I really appreciated about How I Met Your Mother that you didn't get from something like Friends was the growth in the format of the sitcom. So yeah. obviously it's a multicam. They still do all the same stuff that you would get from Friends, but it was serialized in a really like segmented way. It's not like there was a cliffhanger at the end of every episode, but the characters remembered events that happened earlier in the series. And that just mm-hmm. really didn't happen very much in Friends. The romantic relationships were remembered in shows like Friends, but we're talking about like, oh, this character showed up once and said this thing, um, and it was a tertiary character that didn't matter to the plot. It was just a funny gag. They bring that gag back they bring that character back to deliver oh, said gag yeah. and so I, many ga- like so many recurring jokes so yeah. many recurring gags the continuity of how i met your mother was groundbreaking i think well i mean like, you would the- see it in seinfeld right but seinfeld was not a romantic show at all i mean it was a sitcom and one of the best but it wasn't targeted at the same demographic sure yeah i can agree with that i've never really watched seinfeld i think i've seen the occasional episode of it but it never really vibed with me <laughs> i met your mother vibes with me yes yes and i, I it was cool to see them kind of marry that basically so you had that serialization of jokes mixed with the will they won't they vibe and the romantic yep. leads and yep 20 somethings in new york something that i strive for obviously living in northern michigan just surrounded by trees and coyotes we romantic- everybody romanticizes new york and i think part of it is the new york film scene and the new york art scene 100 and all the hoity-toity stuff but i think another part of it especially in the early 2000s was shows like i met your mother and friends yeah because they grounded new york and made it even more accessible or they they made it more welcoming to people who maybe weren't in the hoity-toity scene and by that time (laughs) crime rates were super down too so people thought new york was safer because all these white people were on tv and safe (laughs) that it was (laughs) well that was that was part of the issue i had so friends was weird right like they're all in these rich apartments but still trying to act like they're poor sometimes seinfeld was interesting because they were all older right seinfeld was like middle-aged people for the most part going on adventures Mm. Um, but when you got into something like How I Met Your Mother, they're a little bit younger. They don't have their shit together. Uh, they all eventually get very well-to-do jobs. But I, I still think it did a little bit better at showing that off. And they all had roommates. Um, I, I just appreciate a lot of that stuff about it. And plus, it was it was more romanticized. It was uh, a scene that, that cool chase before it became the milady scene. You know, of he was the nice guy before the nice guy was a dangerous red flag. <laughs> Right. It was it, it painted the it paved the way for the nice guy to just like it, it paved the way with good intentions. But then it was very obviously and very quickly soiled by <laughs> trying to replicate it and doing a terrible job. Yeah. Like if I met somebody now who identified with Ted Mosby, I would not talk uh, to that person. <laughs> absolutely not. I knew somebody, um, a mutual friend of ours. I won't name drop them. <laughs> but uh, we shared a love of how I met your mother. I think he was the one to originally recommend it to me mm. and we share a lot of recommendations between the two of us books and tv shows and movies and stuff because we have a lot of the same tastes and he was convinced that he was barney and i'm like <laughs> no nah, you're no, ted you're ted bro you're ted. <laughs> you're ted and you know without even me saying what their name is you probably know who i'm talking about 100 yeah 
<laughs> Everybody wanted to be Ted, and then like, you learn, you're like, I, I go, yeah. oh, yeah, like, I'm Marshall, like, 100%. And now, yeah, exactly, and now I'm like, everybody wants to be Marshall, rightfully so, Marshall was the best from He's the, the best of us, yeah. <laughs> he is the best of us, exactly, like, everybody should want to be Marshall, <laughs> So we talked about some of the narrative things they did really well, which is, like, the flash-forward mm-hmm. stuff was really groundbreaking yes. the serialization. Can we talk about the the other parts of the serialization that I thought were really well, which is not pigeonholing their characters and creating caricatures until way later on in the series? Um, yeah, they waited a while. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because like when that. they jump the shark, they they go pretty hard, they but did. they they went big. <laughs> um, to think of an example, the will they won't they with Ted and Robin, I think was handled really well up until the end of sure. season one is when they really get together, right? Mm-hmm. And at that same time, you have the the focus of the group, like the heart, which is the couple Marshall and Lily who were engaged from the ep- from episode one break up, mm-hmm. and that I thought was genius and broke my heart a little bit on the inside and just was oh, so yeah, unexpected, was so, so weird. Like they were so able to just throw the baby out with the bathwater, essentially, just like nope, scorched earth. You thought you knew what we were doing and you didn't. Yeah. Like, and again, it's a, te- it's a it's a testament. Like they literally flipped all expectations, especially in the first couple seasons. The first season, I think, especially especially, mm-hmm. but even in like the first three, maybe four. Yeah, they really just kept playing with your expectations a lot, and that's something that even to this day, because I rewatched like the first five or six episodes in prep for this episode, just to remind <laughs> myself of how it was formatted, and it's. It's just so well done. The writing is so tight and like they they never spend more than like 5 minutes on a specific plot line. They always go round like a roundabout and mm-hmm. even when they're not going on a roundabout, they do flashbacks and they always keep your attention. Like it's really hard especially if you're just watching the show to look away. It's it keeps your attention and that's really really hard to do just in any show whether it's 25 minutes or an hour. It, it just goes by so fast and the jokes are all there and the gang's all here and it's <laughs> engaging, you know? Yeah, that was something I really appreciated about it at the time was it seemed like a younger person wrote that show at the time. When you'd get other sitcoms sure. that were all family-oriented, like Everybody Loves Raymond works so well because of the audience that knew it was at, right? It's targeted towards mm-hmm. a family. Ray is this middle-aged guy who's trying to make it work. And so every sitcom tried to copy that. And there was a lot of sitcoms that attempted to copy Friends, but tried to copy it whole cloth the same way those shows tried to copy exactly. Everybody Loves Raymond. How I Met Your Mother goes, well, let's let's aim this towards that audience that has a shorter attention span, that is more interested mm-hmm. in the jokes. And I think it, it just jumps, like you said, like that roundabout of, well, let's only spend a few minutes on this gag because if it's the whole episode, it'll get old. And exactly. I thought that was so yeah. well done. They, they kind of lose that in later seasons, but I think oh, it yeah. just comes with being comfortable with the formula yeah, and just either wanting to do something different and it not working or just getting, honestly, just getting kind of lazy, which you, you can you can kind of respect after a show being on for 10 years. It's, it's annoying as an audience person, but from a creative perspective, you can kind of see why. And it's interesting because it's annoying as somebody who wants something new and wants it to be the same quality. However, when you get into something like a sitcom, sometimes it's done on purpose because you don't want to change the formula you don't want to change up that status quo so much because you want people to feel comfortable as like comfort viewing when it gets into syndication 
That's true. So there's yeah, almost like a meta game. Yeah. yeah. Where it's like we want people to just be able to hop in and watch seven episodes at six thirty mm-hmm. before Wheel of Fortune. I I don't remember where I heard this. I think it was a video somewhere, maybe I read an article. But I know that there I don't remember what show they were talking about, but they were doing a deep dive on a show and I don't think it was a very popular one, but the push was always to get six seasons yep. because six seasons is when you are eligible for syndication. Well, there's a there's a couple of different network rulings. So sometimes it's five or six seasons. Sometimes it's a hundred and some episodes, which usually yeah. adds up to five or six seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, and the thing is, is there's not a lot of, uh, and it's not a hard and fast rule. It's not like it's a law is the thing. People take right. it as it's law, but it, it's more on like the publishing and, as well as the distribution rights. So it's usually mm-hmm. built in there somewhere, but that was like the agreed upon right around there is what most episodes um, need to reach. So it's super common to try to do that to hit syndication. And once you hit that, there is some pushback from a lot of places where like, well, do we need to try so hard? You know, like, we got the syndication right. deal, and I'm not saying that's what How I Met Your Mother did. I think it lost its momentum before that, actually. But a lot of shows, you start to see that dip because the people are making money. A lot of them, when it hits syndication, that's their contract renewal to be able to go to other shows. So not just like the oh. actors, but like the writers and showrunners can then go, sure. oh, well, now I'm allowed to work on two projects. Um, you saw a lot of that with the office. You saw a lot of people break off right around there because now they're allowed to go and create other things. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. So it's, it's a give and take. It's never just one thing, right? With those shows, when they start to lose their momentum, it's, it's always a combination of factors and any show that's going to go for 10 years. Um, you're going to get some growing pains, but for those first few seasons, I, I go back and even though there's still problematic things, there's a lot of misogyny we've talked about off air that is just so casually thrown around because of the time, um, that doesn't age very well, but a lot of the plots do still hold up. Um, and it's surprising because like you go back and watch friends. I, I still love friends and it holds a special place in my heart, but a lot of the episodes aren't even doable, not just because of, of things like changing environments of tone, but just like, they're not as funny. <laughs> and it hurts a little bit to see and go back to, I don't think it's the case all the way. And I still love friends more than most, but there are still some times where I'm like, ah, oh, man, I've changed a little bit. <laughs> I feel like, yeah, I think the jokes hit different at different ages, too. And I think also you're right on the money with, like, our sense of humor, I think, as a culture shifts a little bit. And especially in the last, like, 10 or so years, it's really, really shifted. And I think, I don't want to segue into this quite yet. It's more of, like, a precursor for whenever we talk about how I met your father. But I (laughs) think that's one of the problems with how I met your father. (laughs) one of the really really big problems with it um but you know you 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 watch rewatch these shows to go back to a simpler time and sometimes some episodes really hit and you're just like oh yeah i get this like early 2000s late 90s vibe this is really great this is why this is my comfort show it hits the nostalgia button it hits the nostalgia button it hits you right in the field (laughs) exactly (laughs) hey And, but then not all of the episodes do that. Some of them just, yeah, flat out aren't funny or just so dated with the times that you can't really, I I think back specifically every time I think of Friends episodes that I don't like, because I haven't rewatched the series as a whole in a really long time. So it's hard to pick out certain things now, but ones that definitely do not hit ever for me now are the ones that 
uh, have the flashbacks to when they were all younger. And, yeah, like, the college. Monica. Yeah. Yeah, Fat Monica and, like, uh, Nice Guy Ross and Douchebag Chandler. And <laughs> it's... <sighs> I just don't like those episodes at all because they are one caricatures. They're not even real people really. Um, and two, it's just, they were not good jokes at the time and they're still not good now. <laughs> yeah. There's still moments of those episodes that I think are hilarious as I do as like a whole one that I still think still held up for me, even though I had the same issues that you just said with the flashbacks was the what if episode. Um, where it's what if Joey would have stayed on Days of Our Lives? What if Chandler would have stayed a writer? What if Rachel would have gotten married? What if Monica mm -hmm. uh, never lost the weight? What if Ross stayed married? Um, and what if Phoebe yeah. became a Wall Street person? I ha I loved all of those plots except for the Monica one because I'm like, really, is Monica's only like flaw that like what if is her being overweight. I, again, like, I just think I have a problem with fat Monica in general, personally, that might be a personal gripe, but everybody else's, I really like that episode, but every time it's like really fat Monica, you're going back to that. It's not funny. Well, I you think um, a better version of it is when you look at the modern, a modern show, like new girl. I, I know you're not a big fan of that show. Um, have you seen much of it at all? I have. So I started rewatching it recently. Um, and I, got up till season three okay and then i got bored and stopped <laughs> so but you've seen enough of schmidt's character on that show i love schmidt and I fat schmidt is a yeah. plot point is they go back to the big it guy is. and i think it's yeah. handled way better than fat monica yes and in a much yeah. more realistic way and a lot of it was health and a lot of it was just trying to get laid which is you know people can mock that but that's a legitimate reason people lose weight you know sure. um and, and but the way that they handled that character and how he shifted is handled just so much better than what they did with monica because it seems like that's the only part of her personality that mattered when she was bigger is oh she liked to eat and that sucks because yeah, monica is an awesome character she is and like when she is fat monica i'm using air quotes like you can see me um fat monica <laughs> uh she her whole entire personality is yeah of course she wants to be a cook that's a totally fine personality trait to have that's an aspiration you're totally valid in having but she doesn't have any other ones she <laughs> that's the end of the list until they give it. her just some weird obsessive food. compulsive stuff yeah exactly and it's it's she is not a real person whereas even like old older rate or younger rachel and younger ross like yeah they have like louder more simplistic personality traits in their younger forms but they still feel like real people and they like, felt like the same people like too exactly um, and then fat monica is just like a whole different person which <laughs> Uh, that's just i could go off at a tangent we're trying to talk about how i met your mother and yeah so let's bring it back around so <laughs> something that i think that how i met your mother did first that now a lot of shows i i would argue say do better now um was the flash around to different timelines not a lot in the future um a little bit more towards the end i don't think it's handled as well but a lot of the flashbacks to see where they were when they were younger i think is really funny in the earlier seasons of how i met your mother like when you yeah. see ted in his nice guy phase um oh with God, his yeah. curly hair that grows out <laughs> instead of down um, anything where they're at wesleyan is hilarious it's so good and everything that they talk about with like you know all the sandwich jokes a lot of that was mm -hmm. so good and it used the format so well like yeah. the, just the sandwich jokes as a whole like because he's talking to his kids he doesn't want to say they're doing drugs so they're eating sandwiches that 
is a genius idea and a way to use the narrative structure that you just don't see very often. Mm-hmm. They are working. And also, um, I don't remember when these episodes aired, but there might have also been some pushback from their network saying, hey, you can't shoot because marijuana wasn't legal yet. Um, it was only legal the past couple of years in New York State, I think, or did mm-hmm. it just become legal? I don't remember. But um, they, there was probably pushback from the network, maybe even a little bit. And then you have those writing constraints put on people who are like, well, obviously they smoked weed in college like everybody does. Or <laughs> these characters definitely would. And then they created this really cool joke out of those constraints which goes to show that when you get the right amount of constraints on any show or with any writing team it usually produces like really great results yeah and the fact that they worked within those restraints for a lot of those things like one of the things that i think sitcoms do really well is in the show sex right it's a lot of cutaways it's something that i talk about a lot my delicate sensibilities when i watch like an hbo show i'm like listen I like watching sex scenes and shows just as much as anybody else, but sometimes it's gratuitous to the point where I'm like, yeah. is this the point of this episode and why this scene was here, right? And yeah. sitcoms, I think, have that out for me, at least, where it's like, oh, we can't show that, so we don't show as much of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and sometimes I enjoy that a little bit better when it comes to a narrative constraint. Um, and it allows them to do more things with the romantic storytelling. And that's why I like watching shows like how I met your mother is the romantic side of it, watching who they're going to fall in love with and that kind of stuff. So I I've enjoyed that portion of sitcoms over the years, even the bad ones. Yeah. The inner, the interpersonal relationships are always like a shining force in any good sitcom and any good TV show in general, but especially sitcoms, which like we said earlier, can become are so easy to become caricatures because that's what a lot of comedy, especially short form comedy, is. Yeah. Um, you got to go broad. Like you you got to go SNL big. And, yeah, exactly. You go big. And when you have these uh, shows that last so long, you have a great opportunity to build all of these romantic relationships, platonic, fam- familial, like all these great relationships and giving the show heart. And I think a lot of the early seasons of How I Met Your Mother just have so much heart in them. Yeah. And you can tell, like, you could tell that the the writers, the actors, like, that was, again, another thing. I don't, we don't have to talk about how I met your, um, how I met your father yet. But you could just tell that the actors liked what they were doing. Yes. Yeah, that really was something that I appreciated about the it. Roles. I really love it. You could tell everybody was having a good time. It was a good show, good script, good everything. And it just, it, you could feel the love. Not to sound corny, but you could, like, feel the love. <laughs> well, that's something when you look at a lot of sitcoms, too. Like, uh, Friends eventually got to, like, a worse place. But mm. just to, to mention them again, like, they always, like, seem like they got along outside of the screen. And yeah, How I Met strange. Your Mother is yeah. the same way. Uh, like, they, you never hear people talk badly about each other from that show. Um, which is really cool and why I think they had such like powerful guest stars. It wasn't because of the size of the show as much as, like, oh, yeah, no, I like that show. I want to be on it. Yeah, exactly. People were probably calling being like, hey, can my client be on this show? Or people were like calling him like, hey, like to their agents, hey, get me on high. I'm at your mother. I love that show. <laughs> um, so to move on a little bit from the general consensus, I want to talk about some of our favorite things. So we mentioned the serialization of jokes and gags. 
But one of the things that I love, my, my favorite thing to, to talk about with it, is the gags that are so long-running and so nebulous that you don't understand or never fully see where they come from until close to the last episode. So referencing mm. the pineapple, the, the captain, pineapple. Yep. Uh, mm. the goat, the tattoo, um, the mm. umbrella, which I think has a really, really powerful payoff. Um mm. Even just, like, the mother herself, like, how she keeps getting spotted a couple of times halfway through the series. Even when the series was at a weaker point, I think, there were still so many things where I'm like, I love that there's a continuity here. Do you want to talk a little bit about mm -hmm. that? Yeah, the con. I think part of the, the continuity that we kind of touched on before was, like, the recurring gags and people reference things and events that happened previously and not just, um like past relationships like friends did they're like they reference you know they always go to mclaren's and um they reference past things at wesleyan all the time and all the just everything has a through line in that show and if there's not one episode that goes by that there's not like a catchphrase or a reference to one of the jokes. And I think that you already hit like my big one was the pineapple. Yeah. Because as soon as that's introduced, that's, that's never thing. forgotten. No. That's never forgotten. And the goat. I think the goat, the pineapple and the goat are the two things that like always stick out in my mind. But it's been a very long time since I rewatched the show. <laughs> so that's why <laughs> I started watching the first few episodes. So I don't have like many, many examples of it, but I always just you feel like you're growing along with the characters because of that and you're watching their growth because you see them learn from past mistakes and because they reference those past mistakes like especially with I think Lily is probably one of grew into one of my favorite characters because she's the most flawed out of all of them and she acknowledges her flaws like she has a shopaholic thing in earlier seasons and then after she starts settling down and having kids she expresses regret which was such a powerful thing such a powerful episode and even before that with just her relationship as a whole not sure if it's like yeah. being just a mom and settling down and getting married was her thing she really wanted to give the artist thing a shot in san francisco did. and that being the big twist at the end of season one and where she goes in season two i i love that as a character and even some portions of barney as we mentioned like he's kind of a shitty dude doesn't shy away from it but has some more interesting like character moments than mm -hmm. than someone like ted gets who for the first like few seasons is kind of just an audience surrogate um and plays the straight man a little bit ted is basically the same <laughs> throughout the whole show until they make I him think. even sillier like when, when they tried to add character to him they forgot a lot of the things that were important to him to make him more relatable to a general audience and yeah. that bothered me a little bit a little bit like he was kind of a, a nerdy jock guy like he liked baseball a lot in the first few seasons oh right i forgot about that yeah and by the last season he's just a big bang theory character like he just watches mm. the most douchey things and only only talks about star wars which are cool i like those things but that wasn't ted um and yeah. that was disappointing when when you get someone like uh barney who they really tried to round out to too much of a thing like tried to make him too much of a character by the end um mm -hmm. but like did go like well we have some reasons why he's a shitty guy and he's a shitty guy um but he has character in there and has things that he likes and doesn't care that people like Same thing with robin right robin doesn't mm -hmm. flaw i mean she is a flawed character but robin was more just like hey i'm not just the pretty girl who the guy likes like i have my own shit 
Um, mm-hmm. And eventually that got played out a little bit and be- because she kind of gets kind of toxic. Um, but when it first gets revealed that she's not his ideal, I thought that was a really cool turn for her. And you just don't see that in other shows. No, you don't. And again, it flips it on the head. It, yeah. it takes your expectations and it flips them, and which is what makes it for the first like part of the show, like maybe up till season three or four, just such a breath of fresh air in not only comedy, but just in television in general. Like I, I'm a big sucker for taking a cliche, running with it for a while and then flipping it. Yeah, yeah you can you can address the tropes by using them. I, I've always enjoyed exactly. that in any media. Um, when it comes to the running gags, we mentioned the pineapple. One of the things I thought was really cool is uh, in any show that like fits into one of my favorites is a show that knows what it wants to do by the end. Um, really made popular and kind of refined by someone like J. Michael Straczynski, who wrote Babylon 5. But before he wrote Babylon 5, he knew exactly how he wanted it to end, and he wrote a whole show Bible. You've heard people say the word show Bible. And show it Bible, means, yeah. yeah, it means different things to different productions. But my favorite show Bibles are when they actually treat it as a Bible. It's this what this character will do and what they will do in the future. And mm-hmm. uh, they stick to it. And How I Met Your Mother earlier on had that for some things. Um, so like the pineapple, we, we keep talking about it. They just, they go out on a, a night of debauchery and Ted comes home with a pineapple. Nobody knows where he gets it. Um, but it's revealed way later on. And in the episode, you see the captain's front door and he stole it from the captain. Um, and the captain yeah. doesn't become a character until the second half of the series. Uh, but they mm-hmm. always knew they wanted to introduce the captain and that's what like the pineapple through line was and that everyone was connected in this very small New York um and that's why it's such a cool gag it's not just like oh he found a pineapple we never found out why it's like no the pineapple had significance it's the same thing with the umbrella that he finds when he goes out to the club on saint patrick's day it seems like such a weird innocuous thing until he says well that was my wife's umbrella and it's like oh that's really fucking cool and they never let it go because mm-hmm. they, they don't knew. just drop it yeah they don't just drop it yeah and so Which and when they like. bring it back up and like when they go to her, her apartment and she's the nebulous you know uh roommate they mentioned that she gets her umbrella back and stuff like that i it's so cool mm-hmm. it is cool but i think there, like you said there's a negative aspect to having a show bible too and i think that was part of the show's eventual undoing was being so married to the idea of their first draft of an ending and not changing it. Yeah, when that, that's, that's not where the show became. Reasons. And I think yeah. it buckled under its own weight a lot. So let's talk a little yeah. bit about that season four, season five hump that we were talking about. Um, that's where I think they attempted to move on from the Ted and Robin thing completely. Yep. And mm-hmm. when they tried to do the Joey and Rachel, let's mix it up. She starts hooking up with Barney. They don't know what they want to do with Lily and Marshall, but they don't want to put them through much more. Um, mm-hmm. Marshall's dad dies. Uh, which oh, yeah. is which yeah. is a great episode of television and both the gut punch and like the the fallout from that is really real mm-hmm. and I think is really good and it's the standout of the second half of the series for me is when that happens um yeah. but they don't really do too much more interesting things with Marshall's character after that which was kind of my he just becomes all lawyer all the time and all yeah. his goals are career based which is totally valid and it's fun. a realistic thing it just stinks it when realistic. he was a really interesting character before that yeah He's i became still the best of them oh for sure but i became more <laughs> interested in uh like his family i think i yeah. wanted to see more of them more than just marshall that's yeah that's fair that's definitely fair for sure hi i'm charday and i'm lissa and together we're 
the Slovenly Trolls. We're not your average D&D podcast. We do monthly deep dives on topics like D&D art, the early years of TSR hobbies, and rhetoric, all with cited sources. Think of it like a feminist critique of D&D. Or don't. We're not your moms. Or are we? Check us out wherever you listen to podcasts and follow us on social media at Slovenly Trolls. Tune in on the first of every month for new episodes. See you there. And don't forget the number one rule of D&D. Don't be a dick. Hi, my name is Terry Smith. You might know me as one of the hosts of Right in the Fields, or perhaps if you've heard some of the crossover content with the Slovenly Trolls. But I also write comic books for Can'tBeKilledCreations.com, and we have our first full-size comic book coming out called Growing Up. Getting older is exciting, moving on to bigger and better things, but what happens to the childish things left behind? Moving on is hard, but that's growing up. From neon-colored folders to action figures to trading cards, Growing Up shows the final moments of the doomed worlds our toys and childhood machinations inhabit before they are thrown away as we grow up. Available on Amazon and Comixology. But as a whole, like I, when when it got to that second part, it, you can't put your finger on just one thing. It's not just the fact that yeah. Barney hooks up with Robin that becomes a becomes a mainstay. It's not just that Ted loses all of his character and just becomes whatever w- would be great in a protagonist of the show. Um, mm-hmm. It's that culmination of all of those things, and it seemed like that they just they knew the formula, so they stopped coming up with as many inventive things. Yeah, they just they got comfortable, and there's nothing wrong with getting comfortable. It's still a decent show. It's still fun to watch at this point. But I think that was the turning point. I think as soon as they hooked up Barney and Robin, because they are basically another through line until the very end of the show, like the very last season is their wedding. Spoilers, but I mean, if you're to <laughs> out, obviously you know. Um, but I think that was a point, and then the the people had so much chemistry that they kind of wrote themselves almost into a corner. Like, well, uh Oh, now we have this other really good couple. What are we going to do? Because now we know that from the very beginning, they wanted Ted and Robin to end up together, but now they put Barney and Robin together. They have great, the actors had great chemistry. The characters had a really great, like they, they fit in my opinion, they fit really well together. Their goals fit well together. They're very career oriented. They didn't want kids um they checked each other they were both had very strong personalities i personally prefer them to ted and robin it makes it makes a lot of sense and uh we've talked off air the fact that uh Mm -hmm. ted goes back after robin afterwards i never had a problem with that one moment of the show it's just that they it didn't fit with everything else they tried to do exactly they they wanted to try something new they wanted to pair up two different characters and that's totally fine it ended up working really well but then they didn't match up their end game to the hidden piece of not I don't want to call it gold or like a diamond in the rough because it's not perfect by any means. But they found this really strong character dynamic and they just threw it away at the end just to fit their rough draft of what they had before after they found this discovery of this new through line. And that's one of the main reasons that I hated the ending so much is because like you discover things when you write stuff and when you're creating something and ideas just develop that you didn't anticipate. And when you don't follow it, that's totally fine. And that's a valid decision to make. But 
you got to reap the consequences of that, which is you're going to get a real bad ending because you wrote this thing, you followed it to a point, you seemed like you were leaning into it, and then you take it all back because you're like, no, I had this other plan from the beginning, and I just want to go with that one now because I don't want to admit that I'm wrong. Yeah, you got to kill your darlings, as we say, and that's the other half of that is partly why I get annoyed too is because they set up some really interesting relationships with Ted because Barney's kind of paired off with Robin and they keep fucking it over and ruining them. And I understand that that was kind of the part is like, they weren't the mother, but so many of those Mm -hmm. relationships, I would have been happy with them being the mother. Mm -hmm. Um, almost Uh, every single one minus Zoe, I think is the only one that didn't really work for me. Yeah. Zoe was really good in the beginning. Then kind of sucked. Stella was great. Until Until her her karate husband. I really like who was his last girlfriend in like the very, very later seasons. She was his girlfriend before they met. I love Victoria. I love Victoria. And I love Victoria the second time around uh, specifically. I thought that was so great and an interesting way to go about it. And well, it's still fun for for her to go, Hey, it's clear that I'm not comfortable with Robin. That's a realistic thing for the show. I'm like, well, now you just, you keep writing off these really good characters characters yeah and they did they did the um i just watched a deep dive of this um the other day they did the um the emily from friends yes emily did not want ross hanging out with rachel which is a totally valid thing to want after what happened to her they were on a break they were on a break also her husband said another woman's name at the altar and she had every right to be like listen just don't see her just don't see her and maybe they could have talked it over later and they could have still been friends but obviously her emotions at that time and her asking that of him in my opinion now looking back on it when I watched it when I was younger, I'm like, oh, what a total bitch. But <laughs> now I'm like, no, she was so valid in doing that. And they did the same thing with Victoria. Victoria had very valid concerns because Ted just repeatedly, like, um, relapses on Robin, I guess is how the best way to work. Yeah, he it. never got over Robin. He never, he never moved got on. over Robin. Yeah. He, and that was, of course, probably the writers giving us a hint that, oh, this was always meant to be endgame, but when you do it so many times and Robin's character, especially in the later seasons just developed into something that was so opposite of what Ted ever wanted. Yeah. And it te- just never like, made sense. She to kept me. him on the hook that he was the hook character and they even do a whole episode yeah. on that. Right. They um, do. But the, the thing that bothered me the most about it was at the end, I was, again, I was fine. If, if that's the, the weird toxic roller coaster after their divorce and when they're both 40, they end up getting together and it works because the issues that they had with each other are long gone. They're in the past because they're in their 40s. That still works for me. The problem that I had with it was twofold. One, it was we just spent an entire season with her and Barney and then they divorced them in the last episode. Yep. That was dumb. Yep. And it felt cheated because I'm like, you wasted all my time with that. And now you're saying it didn't yep. even matter that that bothered me a little bit because I know I knew I wasn't going to get more of these characters. This was the end. And that's how you chose to do it. You did me dirty. And then the second thing mm-hmm. was that I loved the mother by that point. Yep. She was so great. And you only gave me like a smallest snippet. And I loved her with Ted in that those two episodes. They were so they were adorable. The, the actress, they got nailed it. And it was just so uh, I'll say this. I did predict early on that the mom was dead. Oh, sure. Like, and and they, they do hint it. And I think they hint at it really well. And I think that could have been a, such a cool storyline. But that culmination of things at the end, you, you know what it smacks yeah. of is Game of Thrones season seven. 
They're like we're kind of done, and, and we're like we just started. need to finish this up. <laughs> oh, there's some stuff we want to get to. We didn't earn it yet. Fuck. Let's still do it. Let's Fucking still do man. it. Uh, <laughs> I'm not gonna do it, girl. I'll just think about it. No, 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 I'm just thinking about it. I did it. I did it. <laughs> <laughs> That's right off. Hey, Amen. I think, yeah, the mother was great. And I think, and I don't, I hear some people talk about this, but not a whole lot. I think another reason, I didn't realize this until much later, because there was something else that was nagging at me at the ending for a while. And I couldn't quite put my finger on it because I just hated so many things. (laughs) But there's another thing that I recently realized within the past couple of years is that I abhor the way that they treated Robin in the last couple seasons. And I say this because there are two main men in her life towards the end, right? There's Ted and there's Barney. And she has always been a character who is very career driven, never wants kids. And then she has that beautiful arc where she finds that she can't have kids and she's struggling with, well, it's one thing to not want them. It's another thing to be told you can't have them. And then Mm -hmm. her accepting that. And that's it, ugh, such a heart, so heart wrenching, so heart. Especially when they introduce like a, a, another really good love interest for her, um, uh, who the guy who proposed. Her, I can't think of his name. Therapist, the therapist. The guy. therapist, yeah. I never liked him. <laughs> I thought I their know. their relationship was good. I thought he was. You I know, thought it was good icky enough. that he was her therapist first. That's okay. No, no, no. That is totally a red flag. I completely agree there. Uh, Cal Penn. Um, uh, the actor was great. Yeah. That's probably yeah. why he wasn't like as hated as that's why i think i that's why i think i liked it is number yeah. one he was he was good and he was okay with the fact that she was surrounded by ex-boyfriends and toxic relationships yeah and so yeah i guess i forgot his character and all this too but i feel like it was always either going to be ted or you're still spot on i didn't and, mean to throw, throw you off yeah. you're oh, correct no, no 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 you're totally <laughs> right and there's a reason i forgot it because <laughs> I think the show is very good at saying no it's going to be one of these two people right and it just it pisses me off to no end that they did this wonderful story with Robin, her accepting she's never going to have kids. She doesn't want them. She can't have them. That's her life. She's dedicating her life to her career and later on to Barney. But then she divorces from Barney and she moves on from Ted. They both have children. Uh-huh. So Barney has a daughter and then Ted has his two kids that he's had with um, the mother. Uh-huh. And then only after they have had children do they go back to her and be like, okay, I'm ready for you now. I always saw it more the opposite way. Like, she was okay with them because she never wanted what they wanted, right? right. Um, I, I always like I, I agree with you. Like, it's the same outcome. But, like, she didn't want to marry Ted because Ted wanted kids. She didn't end up marrying Cal Penn because he wanted kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and Barney eventually was like super excited that they might have a kid together before they found out that she couldn't. Um, right. I, th- I saw it more as now it's not that they're going back as much as they're like, Hey, maybe she'd be okay with this now that I have kids with somebody else. And I got the thing that I wanted that she oh. didn't want to be involved in. I don't see, I don't know. It, it's one of those things that it just like, it cause she turns the both of them way. both down. Right. Like that's the thing is Ted never got over her. She got over Ted. That's true. That is true. But I don't know. It just it rubs me the wrong way. It's just like, well, now that I've got what I wanted from these other women, now I'm going to go back to you because obviously Robin loves their children. She's not a like a child hating person by any means. The, and the she little sock, remember? Yeah. 
and but it just it always struck me as very icky because the the subject of fertility is a very you know iffy subject not iffy but it's a very like it's touchy no it's fair it's It's a sensitive thing it's a sensitive topic so it just always kind of rubbed me the wrong way that only after the writers could give ted kids that's when he's worthy of robin or robin is worthy of him they give him what he wanted from the beginning and then and only then can they be together well see that just, that it, i agree with from a writing standpoint it being icky and the standpoint of robin being okay that's what i was saying i'm not saying it's not icky at all i was yeah, saying yeah, that yeah. like i the way that you were focusing it before sounded like oh ted sucked because now he's okay with going for robin he never got over robin she yeah, was yeah, only yeah, okay yeah. with being with him now that he had kids and not with her no, yeah, it's 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 just it's just an overall icky situation, I think is, and I don't like the way that it was handled at all. I'm sure there was a better way to handle it. I don't know what that is, um, but and I, like just, part of it is like what we kept talking about. Well, that's realistic, right? It's like, oh, well, now that you're not focusing on wanting to have kids because you already had kids, we can be together. That's a thing that happens in real life. Not always great for a narrative structure. Um, I always bring it up with, uh, with shows like cheers or anything with a will, they won't they, where you set up two, uh, love interests, right. And the person's Mm got to choose and the writers find a way to have their cake and eat it too. I don't like that. I I think that's kind of a cop out. Um, you've read night angel trilogy, which is a pretty cool fantasy series. They do the same thing in that with several love interests, because what happens is you write these love interests and you turn both of them into good characters and and you think the only way to fulfill that arc is for them to get with the third and that's not the case and it's just it's a it's a sad thing that that's what so many writers go well now they can be with this one because this one died you get fridged a lot yeah and like now now they're you wrote again you write yourself into a corner right just like while these people are perfect together let's have them end up but really are we want them to end up with this other character too how do we make that work and then you you know have the messiness of love triangles which in my opinion i think love triangles are a very effective tool if you use them correctly but most people do not most people do not it's because i think that people think the only resolution is the love so it's like they both end up with them eventually and that's just not the case there's so many other outcomes that would be more interesting and i i that's Mm -hmm. where i do completely agree with you i was like that's the only resolution i don't mind that they ended up together because i think the narrative twists where the kid is like hey uh, dad this isn't about mom this has been about robin the whole time i think that's a correct assessment of the show because ted has always been obsessed with robin um does that make the most compelling ending i don't think so no, and I think it would have worked so well if the show ended at, like, season five or six. And if you never saw the mom. I Honestly, I thought that would have been a great twist. You know, it's like, yeah, yeah. they got married and she passed away. Like, but you show her, you make us fall in love with her, you kill her, and then you send her back to the character that you've already proven aren't good together because he finally moved on and she moved on and now it's boring. Like, I guess we might as well fuck. We're 40. Um, yeah. That, I was like, well, this is not... <laughs> this this ain't it coach um, this ain't it coach I don't understand <laughs> what you think you were doing and again it's just you set up all these threads and you were married to the ending you had before and that's understandable but you gotta kill your darlings and you have to accept what you have done to your own show and just write what you know and write what you know is best for the show at the time <laughs> and not regress like five years past in the plot where it would have made sense but yeah i think the only other thing to compare it to is like you said it's game of thrones where it's just like well we knew how we wanted to end this but we want to work on star wars now 
the thing is, and then now they don't even get to work on Star Wars. I know everybody hates them. It's like <laughs> fucked up. It's the best karma. I love it so much. The sad thing is, is like so their good. their Star Wars movie probably would have been fucking dope, right? Like that's that's the problem. Um, I mean, maybe I don't know because I've never seen anything original from them because the Game of Thrones. Is no, you have. Yeah, I mean, you have seen. I mean, not fully original, but like you have seen. You know what well, they yeah. did when they go off on their own. It is. Well, yeah, they kind of fucked up the show is what they did. So I don't know if I had much faith in them at all. Like, they they did a really good job of, like, the majority of the show adapting the source material. They ran out of source material. They started doing pretty interesting stuff with it. But then they lost something. I don't I, – I haven't read all the books, so I don't 100% know. But oh, they, they, they move a lot of stuff. Uh, I, I, I've since read all the books um, that are out, obviously. Um, but there's a lot of things they take out and a lot of confirmations that Mm -hmm. they put in. Um, that's partly why I like season six is it's a lot of confirmations of things that are still mysteries in the book. Like cold hands Mm -hmm. for the, for example, is never confirmed to be Benjamin in the books yet. Oh, interesting. But it was really cool how they used him in season six. So I was really excited for more stuff like that. And it just, it was rushed. But we can talk about Game of Thrones on another episode. We're here to talk about How I Met Your Mother. We've ragged on it. Mm -hmm. We gave our critiques. We talked about what we liked. Before we move on to How I Met Your Father, real quick, I do want to mention Mm -hmm. all of the wonderful co-stars and um, uh, guest stars that have popped up over the season. Oh, sure. Yeah. Ted's love interest is sure. Like Victoria, Zoe. um, uh, What was the doctor's name? Stella. Stella. Uh, All great. Stella's husband, um, I thought was also good. Tony, um, Tony, yeah, yeah, and right. the movie. I always like that was a that was a was popular thing for me in the background. But so many other good guest stars. Brian Cranston as his boss. Uh, I always oh, thought was great. Oh my god, I forgot about that. An icon, an absolute icon. As a fan of like Twin Peaks, the captain always was a really special one for sure. me. Marshall's whole Britney family. Spears? Oh, Britney Spears. Britney Spears? I, for, when she first, I was watching it live when she was the when she was kind of oh, like shit. stunt casted. That's awesome. And I was like, oh, really, Britney Spears? And I'm watching. I'm like, this is fucking hilarious. Like, she did a great He's job. So, so good. that was so cool to see pop up. Neil Katie Patrick Harris's. Is on there? Uh, yeah, I was gonna say. So uh, Katy Perry popped up as robin's like cousin and neil patrick harris's Honey, cousin yeah. as well as uh his brother wayne brady um oh, yeah, was great wayne but brady. yeah honey is <laughs> oh honey oh, is honey. still in like our vernacular <laughs> because of that episode you know yep but Holiday so many good ones that have, i can't name them all obviously uh one more mm-hmm. is wesley from buffy and angel and uh in real life uh allison hannigan's husband uh yep. So him popping up as uh, Robin's co-anchor, I always thought was hilarious. Oh, that was hilarious. Didn't Seth Gre- Seth Green was also on there too. Yes, as their creepy, yeah, ha- yeah, um hacky sack um yep. friend, another great Buffy alum. We never got a Sarah Michelle Geller or, uh, or yeah. Uh, uh, Spike, whoever plays Spike's butt. Um, Angel I, or Spike. I can't think of his name. Uh, James Ma- Marsters. Marsters. Yeah, thank you. Um, but a lot of them, they were working on other stuff very far away, so we were never going to get them. Um, but anyways, a lot of cool like follow-ups there. So let's jump into How I Met Your Father. We don't have nearly as much to say because there's not nearly as much to talk about. It's very new. There's only a few mm-hmm. episodes out as of recording this. How much have you watched? What are your first thoughts? What do you think? Well, I watched almost the first three episodes, and then you said, hey, you want to talk about How I Met Your Mother and How I Met Your Father? I'm like, well, shit, I should probably watch the rest of How I Met Your Father. <laughs> so I started watching it, and then it kind of became 
in the background and I started doing other stuff. So unfortunately it could not hold my attention. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm right there with you. Exactly the same. Yeah. I think it's I, good. I, started... I think it's way better than I thought it was going to be. Uh, I just, I think I just, I'm bored. I'm already bored with it. The only things that I like about it. Well, no, the only thing I no, I like Kim Cattrall. I think I don't I don't like Kim Cattrall. I, I I like Kim Cattrall. I just don't think I like the narrative device being used. I like Kim Cattrall in most things. Um, I think yeah. her as the mom or the, as the mom as the the main character the, who meets the father. Um, I yeah. think she is good in that role. I just don't think they do a good job with that role. I think they use it too much. No. No. Yeah, I think it's way too heavy handed for definitely, and I. I'm not sure I like her being the one on camera. I understand why they did it because obviously the kids in the original show aged up and they had to keep reusing old footage. So I understand why they did that it. That makes sense. I didn't just, think like, about that. How about just have a voiceover? Because it, I always felt awkward because it felt like she was talking to us, the audience, and breaking the fourth wall, but not doing it in a good way. Right. It just felt, it feels a bit creepy it feels creepy it looking feels at the camera too. is creepy yeah. too but at least yeah but they had to right because they only had what had maybe to. two episodes worth of original footage for them because they shot that exactly. all like if you don't know so Lindsay fonseca and the kid from wizards of waverly place i can't think of his name um yeah, but they remember. shot all of those scenes of the kids in the first season and then they never brought them back for anything else uh, right, because, because they're they supposed to be young up. yeah because yeah. it was just bob saget talking older. to them essentially um yeah. but they just i think they use kim control too much and yeah, it, they're weird forced scenes um yeah that's it felt a little bit awkward for me i i thought it was funny i the, the reason why i said it's better than i thought it was gonna be i thought it was gonna be bad i thought this was gonna be a bad sitcom and when i turned it on i found myself laughing a lot harder than i thought in the first episode is the thing the first episode really? i thought I was pretty once Really? I, I thought it was pretty Not entertaining. Um, and as Not a whole, I'm like, I like all the people that are popping up and how they're kind of serendipitously coming together. However, after the first episode, same thing happened to me. I was like, well, it's kind of boring. I don't really care what's happening. Everybody has this weird idealistic view of New York or like they're completely mm -hmm. cynical. So it's like either end of the spectrum. There's no in between. Mm -hmm. so no it was, area. yeah so like that was like this got really boring it's either scenes of them talking about how don't worry we'll find love again or fuck this city i just saw somebody shit out a rat in the gutter i'm like whoa this is uh <laughs> there's some places in between here yeah um, there's a middle ground that you are not finding right now and yeah. i like how diverse the cast is i like the cast the cast is uh the cast they're is fun great they're fun I, I like the personalities. They're kind of vanilla in most instances, but that means they just have room to grow, so that's fine. Yeah, but I feel I like, like there's too many of them as part of it. I like that there's so many yeah. people, but they all feel like just like little shades of the same person. Yeah, they're just there. There's not enough person, and again, it's it's a hard line to walk. Because it's season you don't one. Make caricatures. Yeah, it's, it's season so, one, so and you don't want to make the caricatures. It's. So they have room to develop. I like the trademark joke that came on a bit later. That was yeah, that yeah. Was, that that, that one brought me back in. Yeah, yeah. That brought me back in a bit, but that's the only one. <laughs> that's the only recurring joke I think so far, at least that I know of. Uh, there's um, a few other ones, um, and then there's a few other Easter eggs. I think it does a good job of not just trying to be How I Met Your Mother. I thought I appreciated that. Um, we're like, there's only a few through lines, a few character mentions. Um, 
a few like just similar tones and then the obviously the apartment is the big easter egg but they they don't try to be how i met your mother completely which i think is a good thing and a bad thing it's a good thing because you don't just want to copy and paste but it's a bad thing because they're losing a lot of what made the original how i met your mother so great they in this show they're not doing anything new so far except maybe having like i mean having an out lesbian character is amazing i love that and, and she's a good part of the like show this. too and like one and of the more interesting of the aspects because she's kind of like they kind of make her the off the wall one which i kind of yeah. appreciated like she's one of the few that's a yeah. little bit more developed i would say her and hillary duff are the two that like we know what we want to do with these characters mm-hmm. um where everybody else it really seems like they haven't quite found the voice for yet yeah and just the format of the show like they i understand not wanting to copy and paste it but the pacing of the show isn't interesting they don't do the whole like you only spend like two to five minutes in a place sometimes it lingers a bit they don't do when they do flashbacks it it just doesn't feel as clean of cuts to me as the original because i watched the first couple episodes of how i met your mother and it's just so like it's seamless it's the, the editing that that's that you know what's funny like we were talking about why i didn't like the kim control scene it's how forced and how long it goes on i honestly think mm. it is like mm. when you say that that puts it like puts my finger on like that it's the editing is it's the editing thing. editing yeah. is a big thing it's yeah, not as think, tight yeah. yeah that honestly and, and that I would wonder, fix a lot i wonder yeah i wonder if they get a better editor <laughs> Sorry, whoever's editing the show. Yeah, I apologize. Um, we they, couldn't do it. Like, sorry. don't don't let don't let us I think that edit. we could do a better job. We're just you know, people on the internet, but it is a thing that we don't like about the show, which is completely valid. It's a thing we don't like, and I wonder if part of that is it is a Hulu original. So mm. technically, while it, it while the episodes are all around the same time, they don't technically have as many constraints as they would on network television. Right, and it was made mid pandemic. I the That's things true. that might fall into there I mean, it's it's clear to see some of the shooting things that had fallen in line but it's never like the production value was huge on the first how i met your mother anyways no no and it, it usually isn't on the first season of a show ever but it's but bad all the way through on how i met your mother like they spend the money on the on the stars like when i think about yeah. like when they tear down that building um in the later seasons uh oh, right that is the <laughs> fakest thing i had ever seen um, like they could have just not cut to it. Why did they show? To, why did they show it to us? You know, the they just want to be like, "Hey, look what we tried to do," and it's horrible. <laughs> you know, like it's a little school project. <laughs> like, look what I tried sure, to do. Sure, if my kids say. showed me that, I'd be like, "That's fucking impressive, <laughs> bud." Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, not in like a multi-million dollar show. <laughs> right, right, right. Exactly. Um, yeah. but yeah, overall, I'm. I'm pleasantly surprised by some stuff in How I Met Your Father. I'm going to give the second season a shot if it gets one. Um, I, I think it could be there and then I would definitely rewatch it. Because, like, when I think back to, like, Parks and Rec. Parks and Rec is one of my favorite shows of all times. The first season did not know what it wanted to do yet. I still liked it. True. But I understood why people didn't. Yeah. It, it's like the first season of The Office as well. Yeah. Same. Like yeah. It, it's it – has, it has something there that – that pushes you to watch the second season. But for me, I haven't found that push yet in how I met your father. Like I haven't found that thing to grip onto because I love Hillary Duff. I was going to ask you, like, what do you think of Hillary Duff specifically? I think she's fine. I think her performance is fine. I don't like her character. That that was exactly the same for me. I feel like I was hoping for a little bit more of a cynical Lizzie McGuire trying to be the optimist, you know? 
Yeah, I was just thinking about this. So I real so the whole premise of how I met your mother was that like part of the one of the original things they flipped was that the romantic person was the guy. And that's kind of it's a gender flip on a stereotype that you kind of like to see because you usually see the opposite. So the fact that they basically just gave Ted's hopeless romantic stuff to a woman, it just doesn't seem as groundbreaking or anything because you already see that a lot. So I'm disappointed that they just didn't make her. I wanted her to be a cynic. I wanted her to be like, fuck love. I'm never going to find love. This city sucks or something like that. Instead, they gave that to her romantic love interest um, because his heart was broken, which I like his character, but I don't like their interactions together is so, yeah, it's just so done. It's so done. It's so, it's vanilla and they're not doing anything interesting. And I think if they made Hilary Duff's character, who I can't even remember the name of, (laughs) Sophie? Sophie. Yes. Um, If they made Sophie a cynic, that would have just added added so much more depth because usually again it's not the woman who's the cynic i mean if you're on tiktok it usually is but i mean like it, in like, terms of mainstream media yeah I mean, it's usually not and all the things that you've thrown in there like what you're saying is is exactly the trope that's popped up in hollywood when it comes to the the female-led show it's okay she's new to the group everyone else is established and she's the whimsical one it's the it's not manic pixie dream girl but it's manic manic pixie dream girl like the same family yeah it's in the same family family. it's it's like new girl right that's exact plot of new girl and that's what they did here and that trope could have been done differently or flipped on side but they just decided not to and i think hillary duff is capable of better material a hundred percent. Yeah, she is very talented. And so, like, she has a charm. She has talent. Give her something better to work with, except for this just very vanilla, bland female lead who's looking for love in the big city. We've seen that before. And <laughs> Go watch I it. Go watch Emily want... in Paris, okay? No, thank you. I don't want to. Emily, <laughs> you know, they were, they wanted that show to be called Emily in Paris. I I heard that and I'm like you pretentious asshole. Who's that? <laughs> I heard that on I'm Office Ladies. Perry and I'm like oh fuck off. Who's that? <laughs> <laughs> That's gross. I hate that. Sorry. Uh yeah. So overall, do you think you're gonna finish the first season of How I Met Your Father? Hard, maybe. I don't really have an urge to currently, but maybe if I hear if it gets picked up for a second season. Yeah. And I hear good things about that second season. I might give it a chance. I think that's where Another I'm at chance. too, because I was watching it with my wife Emily, and she she liked the first episode more. We were both pleasantly surprised. We were like, ah, I don't want to watch it. I don't think it's gonna be good. Let's put it on while we're folding laundry, and right, exactly. and we were pleasantly surprised. But we never watched it together. She was never like, yeah, let's put on How I Met Your Father. That was solely me. Right. Um, so if a second season comes out or if she comes back around, I, I will definitely give it uh, a second try. But for now, I'm like, eh, I'm probably done with How I Met Your Father. We'll see. It's it's just so lukewarm and so mediocre to me personally. I'm, yeah. I'm sure if some people like it, that's totally cool. But like for me, especially as a fan of the first show up to a certain point, which again, acknowledging bias, like you try really hard to like not let your nostalgia for the old show old show to be like oh it's so much better because it was just better back then but the critiques that you've levied at it aren't just oh i wish it was how i met your mother because we have a lot of issues with how i met your mother as well i think you were just hoping for this show to shine a little bit brighter than it has i was hoping at least for it to have the same cleverness yeah just something to 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 grab me like i'm okay if it's just the same framing device and it's a good show on its own and it just isn't that yet i have hopes Mm -hmm. Um, especially if it gets a second season. However, 
Um, I don't know how likely that is. It's sitting at like a five on IMDb. Um, oh. I don't know what the actual ratings are. I don't see Hulu releasing those anytime soon. Um, Probably not. I haven't seen a lot of buzz, <laughs> and I I think most recently because they had a big Easter egg. I won't spoil it for you, but um, I, did you watch the newest episode? No, I haven't. You can spoil it if you want. I'm well, uh, I'll just say a character shows up from How I Met Your Mother. It's not an Easter egg. It's just uh, straight up a character oh, from How I Met Your Mother. Nice. And it was it was handled pretty well too. I thought it was actually pretty cool. Um, so for the listeners at home, I won't say anything. But um, if something like that brings in the audience again, like because it had a lot of buzz when it first came out and then it kind of died down. But if that gets people oh, back okay. into it because of all the articles written about it, I could see maybe building that momentum back up. I don't know how many episodes they're doing. I think they're on episode eight or nine. Um, yeah. You know, traditional, if it was on like a network, we'd see 20 or so episodes. This is on Hulu. So I don't know. I don't know. I can't imagine it's a very expensive show to produce. No, comedies usually are not from my understanding. And no one on there is a gigantic name other than Hillary Duff. Yeah, exactly. Kim Cattrall, Hillary Duff. Yeah. Hillary Dev and Kim Cattrall are getting the big bucks. <laughs> like, that. that's the budget. That's the budget for the show, 100%. And even those two, Hillary Duff's not a megastar. And Kim Cattrall, because of the outs of, like, the other show that would be paying her a lot of money. Because that's, mm. like, people know she's not leaving to go beyond. Uh, and then this happened, or whatever the fuck the sequel to Sex and the City's called. Uh, um, yeah, I, I forget. And, and then some, yeah. Yeah, it's something like that, something. yeah. Um, but since they know that she's not running over there to that one, I can't imagine that she also is pulling down, you know, six figures on every episode. It's not competitive. Right. So competing for her attention. If you are a fan of it, I could see it getting picked up just because it's cheap. Yeah. Or yeah, just because it's cheap, maybe to give it a second chance. Who knows? Yeah. But I don't, I mean, Hulu is, is even a weirder beast than Netflix because Hulu has a lot of hands in the cookie jar uh with like mm-hmm. co-ownership with disney and things like that um oh, so how their decisions get made i have no fucking clue especially because like the two big stakeholders are like universal um as it universal whatever nbc's parent company is and disney um and they both now have very like pretty successful uh streaming platforms of their own i don't i don't know how things get done at hulu at all let alone renew shows it's a bureaucratic nightmare i guarantee it is i guarantee it's extremely strange my my brother works under the disney umbrella he works for fx okay the amount of the amount of hoops he has to jump through even in his job which is a marketing job like (laughs) he has to talk people from disney has to talk people from fx he has to talk to people from uh everywhere and it just it blows my mind was he there pre-merger or post-merger he was there pre-merger. He got oh, laid shit. off because of the merger. And, and then, then brought back. Got brought back because he knew people in the company who liked him at his old job and gave him a chance to try another job. And he and luckily he was at one of the wings that Disney wanted to keep around after something like that, right? With with FX being one of their pretty positive brands that were owned by Fox. So Yeah, yeah. So he got laid off, I think, just because he was one of the youngest people on the team. Like, he hadn't been around for the longest time. It wasn't because of performance. No, no, seniority Uh, type thing. Yeah. Can you talk about this? Are we going to get him in trouble for talking about this? Do I need to edit this out? (laughs) I have no idea. (laughs) I'm not talking shit about his job. No, no. Before I air this, though, why don't you you text? (laughs) I will text him. (laughs) Uh, Listen, I don't want to upset Daddy Mickey Mouse, okay? That's true. We don't want them coming after us. 
<laughs> well, anyways, that was our conversation on how I met your mother and how I met your father. If you like this, go check out our other content, kbkillcreations.com. Um, if you want to support us and keep the lights on, the mics going, head on over to patreon.com slash creations. Get all lots of bonus content and extra content and early content over there. Um, we have other comic books and stuff on our website. If you want to follow us, you can follow us at, at RITF underscore pod on Twitter. We're not active anywhere else, so good luck trying to find us. Um, I'm at Resident Stevel over there on the Twitter, but I mostly run the the podcast uh, Twitter account. Sharday, where can the people find you? I run the Slovenly Trolls Twitter account, which is just at Slovenly Trolls. And if you want to listen to you on the Slovenly Trolls, you can head on over yeah. to CampyKillCreations.com. Or do just that. find I'm it on podcasts. Articulate. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. Well, I know. I was going to say I don't rant about stuff. No, you definitely rant about stuff. Uh, let's let I us. rant about stuff, but I rant about them with uh, cited sources. And and you you heavily edit that show. So some of your rants <laughs> you can hear get cut short. Like I heard one, not in this episode, but in episode 12. Um, I heard a breath and then I heard not a breath come in for the next one. I was like, how much did you cut out of this rant? How much further did you go in between here? Um, to be so, honest, I don't remember. I blacked out. Well, that's why I want you to know that we're listening. We know, we know the fans know. So yeah, go Listen. check out Sade and Lissa over on the Slovenly Trolls podcast. And in case you're an extra big fan, right around now, you'll be hearing words that we're dropping a new podcast. Maybe if we can reach our fundraising goals over at our Patreon. So keep an eye out for that. Uh, this might be out at the same time that that's out. So you might hear this and go, are they fucking talking about that thing? Or are they, what? <laughs> what are they talking about? You'll never know. Maybe You'll never know if we never happen. hit those goals. There's, there's just hollering out They're into like, the what ether. What the fuck are they talking about? Who do they think they are? Marvel? Exactly. Exactly. That's exactly who we think we are. We're white people on a podcast. So I, if that colors yep. that in at all, I think that you can understand. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways, this has been Right in the Field. Sam Brown.